Welcome to Fostering Our Faith podcast. Today's guest, Caitlin Batten, is a foster and adoptive mom who has a heart for seeing communities mobilized and equipped to serve vulnerable people. She is passionate about advocating for and supporting children and families in the foster care system. Her love for adventure and exploration is matched only by her desire to make a difference through her work as a foster and adoptive parent. Let's listen in as she shares her incredible insight. Caitlin, welcome to Fostering Our Faith podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So I have to say, I love that you have a slogan. Like, I I kind (laughs) of feel like I need a slogan. I need to walk into a room and have a slogan. I do have, I do have a family song. That's as far as I've gone. Oh, um, which I think I should I like, one of those. like boom box and like play yes. it as we walk into places. Um, <laughs> but mom on a mission who is driven by God's unfailing love and grace. Powerful. Oh, so I saw that you were on Kathleen's podcast. Uh, I love, love her. It. Yep. Um, so the she's. Best spoke at our uh, retreat this weekend and it was so cool because she comes in and she's kind of worried. She's like, okay, God gave me a totally different message than what he gave me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And it turns out that her message was Christmas in July. She had no idea that we were kicking off a week of Christmas in July. Oh my gosh. For this organization that was helping us this week. And I was like, just sitting there like, <sighs> And then she's like, and I really want to go heavy on the journaling, not knowing that every woman received journals in their bags. And the whole thing was about like journaling. It was, I love her. Oh my God. <laughs> it was such a good week or such a good Saturday. Um, so can you share a bit about how you got involved in foster care and what your life has looked like since you started? Yeah, absolutely. So my husband and I, we looked into foster care a little bit. We've been married a little over five years now. So we looked into it, but really didn't know a lot of people who were doing it. So didn't really have that safe space to ask questions, to dive in. What does that even look like practically? Um, but I spent most of my professional career working for a global anti-human trafficking organization. And statistics say that it's about 60% of survivors have actually spent time in the child welfare system or in foster care, um, in CPS, whatever that looks like. And for us personally, it really just got us thinking, you know, how can we not get involved in this? If we know the direct connection between these vulnerable teens, these vulnerable families and kids that are being recruited that are being trafficked in the U.S., you know, what is a way that we could serve them and work upstream? And we are definitely believers of wanting to be proactive and not just reactive. And there are so many great organizations that are reactive. They are doing the work. Um, But for us, it was just clear, you know, uh, we need to look into fostering, you know, uh, we have a home, God can provide space, he can provide resources and We felt we've never been parents biologically. So that's kind of terrifying to just sign up on paper to be a parent when you've never done it before. But yeah, we just felt that it was such a clear direction of how to serve God's people. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it later about all things, how foster care is connected to the heart of God. But for us, it felt like such a immediate thing we needed to respond to and not a we'll wait until we feel more 
maybe financially secure or until we have a huge house or a giant vehicle or whatever that looks like, we realized that God could actually equip us right where we were. And so since then, I feel like our life has looked completely different. Um, I mean, that was a few years ago. And I feel that now we are constantly in this mindset of advocating, of bringing people along and hopefully champion, championing people to play their role and get involved in whatever capacity that looks like. I feel like we're very focused on mobilizing and, and equipping people. And so life looks a lot different from going years ago, not knowing a single thing about foster care or how to support kids and their families to now where it occupies a lot of our thoughts and a lot of our actions because we are so excited to see families restored. Our listeners know I spent four years institutionalized um, as a teenager from 16 to 20. And when I left, I left with um, my boyfriend, no skills, yeah, no resume, no money, aged out. And had I not had him, and we actually got married three days later, uh, you know, at the guise of a pastor, had I not had him at that time, where yeah. would I have gone? Yeah. Like, where? And there is no place, you know? Yeah. And this happens way more often than so people much. realize. And, um, you know, that's the whole I've heard it can stuff. take like up to 20, they say, because a lot of the survivors we worked with, I mean, I'd say probably 90% of them spent time uh, in foster care. And we we had learned it takes, I want to say 36 hours for when someone ages out and if they don't have a place to go to, to recruitment, that 36 hours, they don't have food or housing like they are then. And that is just crazy to me. I'm like, why are we spending thousands of dollars in government money being so reactive when we could be so preventative on serving these kids? And like, I don't mean when I say kids, I mean like zero to 22 um I use the term broadly but I don't know I just it's crazy to me oh yeah and it doesn't make any sense and mm-hmm. um 100% agree and um and you said something you said sparked something because you said you know we weren't financially ready we weren't you know foster care will always be here barring some like grand idea that somebody has to get rid of it you will always be needed as a foster parent. So yeah. if you are waiting for your three-year-old to be five, if you are waiting for your three-year-old right. to be in college, you will be needed at some point if this is on your heart. So it's yes. just God's timing as to the whole I'm thing. Sad. I've been like so encouraged by people in my circle, just who I've met on Instagram, like, hey, I'm a single woman living in a one-bedroom apartment. I'm fostering. Or like, I'm going to say yes. And it just has taught me so much. Like the Lord has blessed us with a home and we knew he would fill these rooms somehow, but for those people, it's just, and we'll get into the miracles I know, but it's crazy. He just says, he just wants our yes. <laughs> I'm not going to be disobedient. <laughs> we just did a delivery yesterday to a single mom who took in two kids, two kids. Um, and this was not her first placement. Um, and then the kids left today. She had them for one day. And yeah. she was like, I said yes to that one day. Yeah. So yeah, mm. I, I hear it. Like she's a yeah. lover. She's a rock star. So, mm. and faith is super important to you as myself. So 
How do you find faith playing a part in your journey? Faith is everything in our journey. I mean, I don't think we would have the capacity to do what we do without it. That's just us personally. We rely a lot on our church, on the Holy Spirit, on even when to say yes. You know, it'd be so easy to say yes to every single call, but we personally feel that the Holy Spirit leads and directs us on when to open up and when to close, when to grieve. I don't know how we would grieve if it weren't for Jesus, because I would just quit after saying goodbye to our first, I was ready to not get back up. I was ready to quit. And the Lord was so gentle and tender and giving us space to grieve and to mourn that loss while also celebrating. It's that weird tension of both and that I feel like foster parents always live in this weird, we're happy and we're sad. This is weird. (laughs) Didn't know they could coexist. Um, But I'm so thankful for the Lord and just the way that he teaches me more about his character through foster care, his heart for families to be restored. Our church, we've just seen such a beautiful growth and transformation for our local church when it comes to foster care. And um, we had a couple of families before us, but I feel like we were one of the few that came along that really started to get the church excited and uh, active, if you will, in it. And so it's been amazing. If anyone goes on my Instagram and sees our adoption videos or photos, we had about 70 something people there. And I'd say 90% was from our church. We had people taking off work, people using their one PTO for the entire year to be in that courtroom because Um, like one of our uh, pastors, he says, he goes, your daughter is like the mascot for our church. Like people celebrate what God did. And I just, I, I just love that. And so, yeah, to answer your question, faith and our belief in God, it plays the biggest role in our yes. And on why we keep showing up. Yeah. So when we went to our elder board about foster blessings, um, gosh, 2018, they're very good about like, here's your budget right? This is a good idea. Let's do this. Let's see what God does. And, you know, a couple of people before us had fostered and, um, my daughter, she's so funny. She doesn't mean it in a negative way. She just says, mom, why is everything so extra? She's like, you know, kids, <laughs> people get a foster kid. They raise the foster kid. They don't start a ministry. They don't write a book. They don't do a <laughs> she's like, she's like, not only do we have 20 foster kids. She's like, and it's so like, she's so her father, she's still her father, but it's so funny. <laughs> um, but when I went to them, you know, and they said, yes, we started making meals and we had like three freezer burnt meals in the freezer. And <laughs> this woman comes up to me and she's like, I think this is going to go national. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah. Somebody wants my, you know, freezer burnt meatloaf. Okay. And now we are in like all of our surrounding counties. And I'm like, that is wild. It, it is like, so wild. How did this happen? Right? Like from one like mac and cheese yeah. meal, like what? Like what is even happening? And that now like the church is excited and they're like yes. having a picnic next week. And you know, everyone's like, oh, I'm making macaroni salad and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And they're all getting involved. And it's so oh. cool to see. It, re- yes. it is to have the, the love of a church behind you. Yeah. It makes a difference. It allows you to keep showing up and it allows you to even just get them involved. And I think of the people who might not have ever 
thought that they played a role. And now we have people bringing us meals or we have people wanting to do respite or now our church allows us to use their facility for, for group. And we have people from all over the DFW Metroplex coming and not part of the church, but just needing support and offering childcare for those families. You don't have to go here. We're still going to love on your kids. And it's just been such a beautiful thing. I love what Jamie Finn, she always says that foster care is gospel work. And I couldn't agree more. And I love that churches are excited to step into that, even if it's unfamiliar for them. And I think it is a learning curve, learning what's appropriate. What is trauma-informed care? What does that mean? You know, it's confusing, but they're not afraid to step into that space to learn, which I'm really grateful for. At least that's been our experience. I am a huge believer in miracles. I am one. I mean, I am like every statistic you can imagine, like horrible childhood, foster care my entire teen years. My daughter was in foster care. You know, I mean, like divorced, like when you talk about like, you know, the the aces, like, yes, like (laughs) I would have passed the high school exam with that number, like, you know, and so that's where the miracle is, is that that but God moment, right? And so I think of the woman at the well, one of my favorites, you know, lame man that was healed, the blind healed, so many others. But what miracles have you seen in your foster care world that you could share? There, I could write a book on how many miracles God has done since saying yes. And it's funny because it actually was the first miracle, if you will, in our foster care journey was that moment that secured we were supposed to step into this you know we had been talking about foster care but again fear you know who am I to step into this and we can't and what does that look like and um my husband had seen a crib on our HOA page because we had a twin bed we had a queen bed but we didn't have anything if we got calls for an infant and those who do foster care, you know, you have to be ready for everything. Things are expensive and you just got to work with what you got. (laughs) And he saw this crib on our HOA page, sends it to me, says, you should just reach out and see how much it is. And I had a number in my head. So I messaged the lady and it was probably four times my number. And I said, that's okay. (laughs) No longer interested. Um, And she goes, well, what number could you do? And I was so transparent. I said, I do not want to offend you. We're, we're getting into foster care. We just have a lot of things we need to buy. So I'm going to pass on this. And she goes, oh, I adopted my kids through foster care. Why don't I, why don't I give it to you for free? And by the way, I'm going to bring over a ton of other things too. And she brought over a bassinet. She brought over diapers and bottles. She brought over just tons of things that we, you know, we could have never even asked or imagined, you know, to even, we don't even know what we need. And this woman was bringing load after load after load. Um, and that was the first, that first little step, you know, we're standing in this exact room where I'm speaking and we had a crib in here and I look at this pile of stuff and said, I guess we're doing this because that was the Lord just confirming we were supposed to step into this and that he will provide. And that's why I mentioned, you know, finances can often get caught up. Like how am I supposed to provide for a child? But the Lord really does provide. And I think we've seen that 
most tangible aspect of it in foster care. Um, last year when we were fostering our now adopted daughter, when she came into our care, it was the exact moment that the United States was in a formula shortage. And my daughter was very petite. She still has very petite, but she needed a specific high calorie formula that was nowhere to be found in the state of Texas. And we're freaking out, you know, WIC doesn't have it. The hospitals don't have it. There's no way for us to get this formula that she has to have. And I use social media and it can be dangerous, but it's beautiful when people all over want to unite together. And so we posted our story that we needed formula. And if you're at the store in another state, we will pay you, we'll pay to ship it, we'll pay, we'll pay for it. We just need formula. And within probably 48 hours, we saw strangers picking up formula for us. We had family members of friends, of relatives, of cousins picking up formula. We had, I had a girlfriend in Michigan who drove over 200 miles on her day off. In 12 hours, she drove all over the state of Michigan, going store to store to store to store to find this formula. And that was probably around May or June. And we had enough formula from June all the way up until probably maybe February of this last year. We didn't buy a single can of formula because it was literally like the bread and the fish, just multiplication. And it was insane to see. And not only that, no one would accept us or allow us to pay, pay for it. No one would allow us to pay for shipping. Every single person says we've got this. And it became people were writing. I remember this one girl, she had people all from her community and they're writing prayers on the shipping box. I could cry right now. And so we get this box and it's just covered with prayers. Bella, we're praying for you. You're going to grow strong. This milk is going to feed you and multiply all of these just beautiful miracles within your body. And, um, it, yeah, that memory sticks out just as a core memory. And I still have photos and notes because I never want to forget that. Um, that the Lord cares and sees even if even formula, he cares about that. And he meets those needs. Ooh, I have chills. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. that's, uh, yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, Every time we would open the door, it was like more formula. Like, how does this keep happening? You know, it was absolutely insane. And yeah, I, it was cool too, because I got to share that with her her birth mom and her first mom and just share like, I want you to know people even in different countries are looking for food for, to make sure that your baby is fed and taken care of. Like, I want you to know the power of God that he's moving on your daughter's behalf. He sees her, he sees you as her mom. And, um, yeah, I think it's just incredible. And you just sparked something because in the winter months, we have something called hope boxes. And these are just Walmart plain brown shipping boxes yeah. that we put like ginger ale, soup, tissues, like all the yeah. sicky things, right? And we deliver them to foster families who have flu, COVID, you know, just can't leave their house. Yeah. Day. And wouldn't it be cool to have like a couple Sundays before flu season hits to have like our church yeah. write the prayers on yes. the It's like, oh. That's so cool. And you can get kids involved too. Kids can be drawing pictures for other kids. And it's not just a you thing, like it's everyone. And it goes back to that whole thing that everyone 
can play a part. You don't have to foster, but you, you can play a part. So I love that idea. That's, that's cool. I'm just sitting like the constantly the wheels are turning with me. Like con- yes. there's I, I, I say it all the time, <laughs> but I think my elder board is like, just go take a nap. Like just <laughs> Only down somewhere for a minute. <laughs> Let us have a meeting about something other than <laughs> it's fine. No, it cannot, can't shut it off. Nope. It's, it's, and you know, I heard uh, a friend of mine showed a clip of, um, oh, I can't think of who it was now that I was saying it, but he was like, that passion of the thing that you wake up at three in the morning yeah. and you're like, oh, I have an idea, <laughs> you know, and you're writing it down like yeah find that find that sweet mm-hmm. spot and and you will find your life's work kind of thing I love that that's so good that's so oh, rich awesome. so when healthy because yeah. uh, you know we've had 20 foster kids and we know it has not always there have been times we had to go in the back of the court you know because of issues and whatever we know yeah. it's not always but when it is possible mm-hmm. we promote strong bonds between foster adoptive families and birth families so what has your experience been with first families and how do you advocate for them? Yes, I think when we first started fostering, we definitely had the mindset that we are just in it for the kids. You know, parents shouldn't, if you lost your child, you shouldn't get them back. We're better and wanted to help. And it was rooted in, not in pride, but it was just also rooted in ignorance. And we just, didn't know what we didn't know. And we started to realize, you know, wow, these people also need love. And who am I? And I think that goes back to what the Lord has done. It's all what he's done is just, Caitlin, I see you the same. You are not higher than this mother that you are serving. I died for her on the cross, just as I died for you on the cross. And I see her with the most loving eyes and the way that you look at your daughter, Caitlin, that you're caring for, that's how I look at her, the mom or the father. I, with the proudest eyes to be her father, you know? And so thankfully it was very early on in our journey. I feel that our perspective started to change and we started reading uh, Jamie Finn's Foster the Family book and how she kind of advocates for serving bio families. And it really started to transform the way that we prayed for them, the way that we um, cut people off when they were asking questions about them. Like, Hey, we're not going to go there. Like we love them. We support them and we are for them. And so ways practically that looks like for us and um, in our situations, I will say it's always been safe. So we haven't walked through any dangerous things. So I can't speak to that. Like I know other parents can, but from our perspective, what that looks like is being the first to initiate conversations. Or um, I think a lot of times we like to use, oh, they're dangerous. Are they dangerous or are you just uncomfortable? Are they dangerous or are you just scared that you might get attached to them too? Or, you know, are you are you scared because of what the caseworker might have said that might not even be true or patterns and behaviors that you don't agree with, but they're just different than yours, you know? Um, so for us, practically, we, for both of our, our girls, we've initiated loving, respectful, I'd hope that the moms would say the same, respectful relationships with them. And um, something we love doing 
for Bella, who's our adopted daughter through foster care, um, we would send a journal every single week to visits for her mom. And we would make photo collages every week, print them on the printer and put them in this journal. And because we here in Texas, at least, were not the ones to facilitate visits. I know that's different in other states, but for us, um, our daughter had a transporter, supervised visits by the state. And so we didn't have any face-to-face -face interaction. And so our biggest concern was how can we love and serve this mom to the best of our abilities when we don't even get to see her? And so that was something we did. And from what we were told, every single week, she'd rip open that backpack and go straight to the journal, grab the photos, and was so excited. And um, we started making chat books. There are little subscription books that you can make, and we put those in there. And um, every single month would be a new photo book and just different things like that. And when we when we say that we're praying for you, we mean it and actually praying and um, we are the first to write letters of recommendation of growth that we've seen in our girls' moms. If they ask for it, we're going to provide that statement that we saw you working hard and, um, we, we're going to show up for you. And so post-adoption, we continue to try to build a relationship with our daughter's first mom. And that looks like we FaceTimed on Christmas or we tried to meet up on her birthday and, if that didn't work out, we FaceTimed her doing the cake so that she got to be part of that first moment for us. She got to be part of it too. And meeting up for ice cream. The first time Bella had ice cream, I get to tell her that, yeah, it was with both your moms. We got to watch you try ice cream for the first time. And just being authentic and showing up a lot of these parents too, it's generational. You know, when, if you're a foster parent caring for a child, like maybe their family has a history of being in foster care too. So that impacts your mindset too, of we are all just trying to love and serve one another to the best of our abilities when safe. And if not safe, you know what? You can still be praying. You can still be speaking life. You can still be saying things like, oh, you have your mama's eyes. You have her smile. I knew the first time I saw our daughter's mom in person, I didn't even have to be introduced. I knew exactly across the courtroom. That is my girl's mom. She looks just like her. And I can't wait to tell her how petite she is just like her mama and how her smile radiates just like her mama. And there are ways you can still respect and honor first families, even when it might not be a safe situation. Lord, thank you for Caitlin. Thank you for her heart for kids in care. What a blessing she is to the foster care system, not only for herself, but by recruiting other parents. Thank you for guiding this family in all of their endeavorings. I pray that you keep them strong in you. It is in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.